This is a panel show mini podcast. Hey everyone, this is the panel show producer and host David Shore. This episode is the second in a series of one-on-one interviews that I'm producing while self-isolating at home. This interview was recorded over the internet via Zencaster. You may notice that there's uh, some audio issues from time to time in the episode, but I hope you won't find it too distracting. If you're new to the panel show, please take a few minutes to listen to our teaser episode as the regular podcast is quite different than these interviews, and I do hope you'll check them out. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the interview. I've known a number of David Shores throughout my life. There's, of course, my cousin and frequent monkey toast guest, Professor David Shore. There's a David Shore who was a few years older than me and grew up in my neighborhood. Then there's a David Shore who didn't pay for his Ikea couch in the 90s and bill collectors came after me instead. But there's one David Shore that I get confused for the most, and that's the Emmy and Gemini award-winning writer, creator of the TV show's House and The Good Doctor. And I'm very excited to be talking to him tonight. Hello, David Shore. Hello, David Shore. How are you doing over there, David? How are things in, are you in Los Angeles, just outside Los Angeles? Where are you these days? I'm, I'm in Los Angeles, um, like everybody else, uh, cooped up inside most of the time. Although it's, the weather's good and I got a nice place and I got my whole family here. My kids are all here. So uh, as long as we're not, you know, strangling each other, things are good. So far, we're getting along decently. Right. And so you'd mentioned to me, because I, I asked you to do the podcast, and uh, I said, you know, I just want to talk about how things have changed for you. And you said, well, I'm on hiatus. So it's pretty much the same as what you replied. Um, but is there anything that maybe you had planned coming up that's like, hey, we can't do that now? Was there anything you're looking forward to or the kids or the family looking forward to that it's like you've had to put on hold? I was supposed to be in Toronto for the Canadian Screen Awards uh, like, oh, right yeah. now. And I was supposed to be... Um, Touring a couple of universities with my 17-year-old son to check that out. And obviously none of that is happening. So uh, I was going to be, was I done with, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I would have been in Toronto right now under the plans, but right. I would have just been in Toronto a few days ago. And you and I, we both went to the same university. We've had kind of a lot of similarities in life. We went, both went to University of Western Ontario. We went to the same summer camp, uh, Camp White Pine at different times. Uh, was your, was your son going to check out Western? Was that one of the places he was going to check out? <laughs> he was going to check out Ryerson. Oh, not- really? I went there. I went to Ryerson. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Maybe that would have helped yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> well, 25 years ago, it might've, I was well known back in the day, um, back when I had hair. Um, so what are you guys doing? You know, when you're, are you doing anything to pass the time that you normally wouldn't do? Like is cabin fever starting to set in? Yeah, a little bit. Um, we, we had a family game of poker. Uh, we take a lot of walks. I am trying to learn French without much success. Uh, it's interesting that you're trying to learn French now when you're not in Canada. Yeah, that's. I didn't play hockey for years, and then I moved to LA and started playing hockey again. Uh, there's something <laughs> that's funny. There's something that drives you back towards that. Right. And how's that going, the French? Like, are you taking, an, is it an online thing on a computer? Or do you have some of those, uh, you know, online apps that, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to name it because I'm not sure it's working yet. So. <laughs> yeah, you don't want them to get credit or bad credit yeah. for, for what's going on. And so you, you'd mentioned to me, like I said, when we were talking, we were emailing that you're on hiatus. So what is, how does your life change when you're on hiatus going from like being in production 
to hiatus? Is it just you can finally breathe and take a break, or are you still working on other projects? Like, because you're you're the showrunner, does it never stop for you? Like, like thinking about the show, working on on the Good Doctor. It kind of never stops. Yeah, during the during the year, um, we do twenty episodes now, and so we finish filming the beginning of March. And we edit until the end of March, although we kind of finished that early. Um, and and then we usually start up the writer's room at the beginning of April to start filming the beginning of July. Um, and so I usually get a couple of weeks off, a few weeks off. And I usually try and take that to not think about the show and not think right. about anything for a few weeks. Uh, theoretically, I could be developing other stuff, but I tend to just try and shut my brain down for a few weeks and and maybe get away. But um, so it's it's just it's all different now. But theoretically, the room is still scheduled to start up in um, in like a week and a half, mm-hmm. two, two weeks, I guess. Uh, I'm if it does start up, it'll be you know remotely. It'll be uh, you know through con- you know through video conferencing of some sort, which we're which we're investigating. And I don't know how that'll work. You know, I don't know how well that'll work is something very different about being in a room with people as opposed to, you know, conversing online, but we'll see. Yeah. I was mentioning to you, I mean, we do the panel show podcast and we do it live typically in front of an audience. Like we do it in a studio, but we bring an audience in and we recorded our first episode online last week. And it was because we can't see each other. We use the same program you and I is using now. So people were interrupting each other, which was a bit odd, but at least obviously, like I know everyone's using Zoom is the big thing now. People are teaching actual improv classes over the internet. That seems to be happening all over the world. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but hopefully it's, it's working out for people because everyone's just so cooped up. I was reading that there's currently a Turkish version of House. Have you seen that at all or know anything about it? Um, I should be getting checks for that, so I'll check. <laughs> you should. <laughs> um, I, I think I did read about that, yeah. yeah. There's also a Turkish version of The Good Doctor I read about, so... And the Good Doctor, I mean, that's an adaptation of a Korean show, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. So the question is, can we talk legality now? This is what your your listeners want to hear about. The Everyone question, wants to know about, yeah, copyright. We're all big on copyright here in Canada. Is the Turkish version a version of the Korean show or a version of our show? And I don't know. You know, it's funny. There was, if you remember the show Friends, well, the show Friends. Yeah, of course you'll remember Friends, but there was a British show, a British version of it called Coupling. Yeah, and then yeah. in the states they greenlit—I forget which network—they greenlit a pilot for an American version of the British version, so they, of Friends. So there was a, oh, an wow. American pilot made of Coupling, which never went anywhere. And I thought that was the—that is so interesting. Did you yeah, ever? Yeah. See, um, Sorry, going far afield, and it's the stuff that's not not personal to either one of us. But uh, did you ever see Exporting Raymond, a documentary about? Uh, Phil Rosenthal, who created Everybody Loves Raymond, going to Russia as they attempt and being involved as they attempted to adapt Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, wow. Russian. And I would highly recommend watching that. It's funny. You know, now that you mention it, I've heard of it, but I, I, I'll definitely have to check that out. It does sound interesting. So I'm looking for things <laughs> to watch. That was the other thing I wanted to see. Are you, are you, is there anything, what are you and your family watching? Is there anything you haven't watched that you're like, okay, now I can watch this? Yeah, we're, we're trying to, we, we just finished Mrs. Maisel, my wife and I mm-hmm. were watching, we just started watching Unorthodox, which is interesting. And your family, you were brought up Orthodox, right? I if was I'm not, not brought up Orthodox, but no? my brothers became Orthodox in their early 20s. And so I have a lot of 
Orthodox relatives. Mm-hmm. You know, a whole, I have a whole slew of nephews and nieces who are brought up Orthodox. Right. And have you checked out Tiger King yet? I got to check that out. I've heard good things then, but I've not watched that yet. It's, it'll be the craziest thing you've ever seen. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Talked about it on the last, last podcast. And I think on the next panel show, we're going to talk, we always usually talk about political things, but I'm hopeful we're going to talk about Tiger King because that show is crazy. Um, but anything else you got? Anything you'd recommend? Maybe like the Phil Rosenthal documentary sounds very interesting. Anything else maybe more, more obscure? You say, hey, there's something people should check out, you know, maybe, or maybe something you worked on in the past that's, that's still on that people can check out. Yeah, that's, you know what? I don't like to recommend to anybody watch anything other than something I have worked on. <laughs> um, why the hell are we doing this call? Uh, this, this, this call. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, check out House. There's a whole lot of episodes and The Good Doctor. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, because, you know, I was going through your IMDb and I remember reading about this uh, when I lived in the UK that you were doing, trying to do a reboot of uh, the Rockford Files, Yeah, which I loved and and was trying to actually watch the other day. You used to be able to watch it on YouTube full episodes, but I don't think you can anymore unless it's in French. Maybe that's why you're learning French. I have seen French (laughs) episodes. Is there any way of seeing that? That was the pilot made for that, or was it just go to development? Pilot was made. There's no way for you to see it. I may have it if you come by, but you can't even do that. <laughs> okay. You can't even do that. I can't even see it that way. I've got a DVD, but yeah. um, no, it, it never went. It's it, that boy that the original one was lightning in a bottle, and I was not able yeah. to replicate it. It was it was such a great show, and uh, and you know it, it was so. It had such a wonderful light touch without mm-hmm. losing its grounded nature. You know, Jim Garner, Jim Garner. And, uh, he was the best. I remember years ago seeing an interview with Stephen uh, J. Cannell, I think on Later with Bob Costas, it might have been. And he said they could have never done the show without James Garner. It just wouldn't work. Like no one else would have worked. And I remember you told me something similar years ago when I interviewed you for Reader's Digest. Um, about House. Um, you said it just without Hugh Laurie, you don't think it would have worked at all. Like you were having a hard time finding the guy to be House. Yeah, no, my tone has changed since then. I think it would have worked with anybody. It was all in the right <laughs> <laughs> is, is that right? Is that, has there been a falling out? Is know, I, don't, I don't need Hugh anymore. Uh, so, um, <laughs> no, it's it was what you described me as saying is absolutely true i remember the audition process and um and yeah i'd reached a point where i wasn't sure it was going to work uh i i i thought i liked my script and then you see audition after audition after audition and it's just not working and Mm. at a certain point you got to turn to yourself and go they can't all be bad i mean it's got to (laughs) be it's it's on you at some point and Mm. um and then hugh came in and went and then i went oh i am a good writer uh Um, one of the thrills, by the way, of one of the good things for me that came out of Rockford was mm-hmm. I met Stephen J. Canal and, uh, oh, wow. and it was uh, to listen to him talk about writing and the craft of writing. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was, he was a se- an older man already at that point and right. then just dressed in this incredibly tight black turtleneck, like mm-hmm. incredibly fit in the hair and a pompadour, you know, mm-hmm. just, just so you can't see me, but so not me. And <laughs> as soon as he starts talking about writing, I'm going, Oh my God, the man's, it was such a thrill to hear him talk about writing. 
Yeah, I remember what I would watch him whenever I could because I loved his work. I, I used to love, I don't know if you ever watched, um, did you watch Black Sheep Squadron when you were younger? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that show. That's another show you used to be able to watch online, but they've scrubbed everything. I was wondering, it's interesting that in The Good Doctor, just like in House, you've got a British lead playing an American. Is that the key to success in Hollywood, <laughs> having a British actor play an American? Uh, it seems to be for me. Um, I I don't want to paint either American actors or British actors with one, you know, broad swath of a stroke. Boy, that was mm-hmm. didn't need to be nearly that long. Um, <laughs> but I've had great success with British actors. I think there's, I'm going to generalize and unfairly mm-hmm. generalize, but I'm going to generalize anyways. It seems there seems to be a professionalism and approach to it that I find British actors have more than American actors do, but as yeah. I said, not exclusively. Uh, so any American actors listening can think this doesn't apply to them, but it does. Um, that they they treat it as a job and they treat it as a yeah. craft and they train. Mm-hmm. It's not about stardom. No, it's not about yeah. It's not about personality. It's about it's about a performance and and about a character and Hugh was fantastic it was such a fantastic collaboration and Freddie's been the exact same way it's interesting because you know I mean I lived in London England for almost seven years and I was surprised I mean not surprised by the talent like there was an insane amount of talent and the work ethic I found amongst I mostly worked with people in the comedy scene but they lots of them had gone to these act to the guild hall or um I'm blanking on all the other names of the of there's I think there's three or four major acting schools in London and, and people have gone to the University of Edinburgh, like Scott, the, the Royal Scotland School. There's all these great schools. Um, the work ethic is really impressive. But the thing is, there is like acting is a is a respected profession. Yeah, it's not some pipe dream. And if you're an out of work actor, you can get the dole. You can get unemployment insurance. You're you get just like someone with a nine to five job. Plus, the goal is not to be on TV or film. The goal is to be on the West End, is to be on stage, like Broadway. And that film actors are looked down upon compared to West End actors. I found that to be surprising. Interesting. Very interesting. And yeah, it's very different. But yeah, it's interesting that you notice that. Because I, ha- I have noticed it's, it's interesting with everyone being more accessible now. Like you talked about you know, meeting Stephen J. Cannell. There's so many interviews online. I don't know if you've... I, you probably know the time, but I've seen a bunch of these roundtables like that Vanity Fair does or the Writers Guild does with a, a group of writers or a group of actresses. And to hear everybody talk, like all these people who've just, you know, done, like I'm, I saw one with Jane Fonda and all these female uh, uh, writers and actresses. And um, and Jane Fonda was saying that she's always scared she'll never work again, like ever after every job she ever had. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, I, you just think, I, I think that's the... By the way, that's the other thing I've been doing. I think I've watched most of YouTube at this point. Oh, yeah. um, the, I think that is the key to adulthood is recognizing that everybody thinks they're a fraud. Um, yeah. So, yeah. which I find reassuring. I don't trust people who, who don't feel that way. <laughs> it's funny in the UK when I was teaching, like I'm a very confident improv teacher. And what I would say I was good at in front of the class, I would get a laugh. Um, right. And because they would think it was funny that I was speaking well of myself. And I said to them, I never got a laugh saying that in Toronto. And I said, look, I can list like 100 things I'm horrible at. I'm good at two things, performing improv and teaching improv. So, 
you know, anything else I'm terrible at. So, because yeah, the British, the English, the British, they will never speak well of themselves. It is really, it's an interesting place. Before we wrap it up, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, um, is it true that you had a small part in the film Meatballs? Well, uh, I was, you know, I went to Camp White Pine, which is yes. where filmed and yeah it was filmed there while I was there I used to tell the writing staff on house that even if they rent the movie they won't find me I was <laughs> wrong I was wrong they managed oh, to really? me. <laughs> yeah um yeah I'm I'm in the background three times during the course of the movie right and do you have any is there a any particular memories of that time of of that summer I heard I, mean, I heard from a lot of people it, it actually kind of dampened the camp experience because a lot of the activities were closed because yeah, they, were, they was, were filming. It was fairly disruptive, but look, we're talking about it, you know, 40 years later. So, right. Um, yeah. And I get to have the joke that it was my introduction to Hollywood and uh, I did shake Bill Murray's hand, you know, so it was, uh-huh. it, it was a thrill, I think for the people that was there, but I, I can't deny it was disruptive. Yeah. It, um, it was weird. It was, um, we actually got to control council. I'll tell you this story. Yeah. Um, we were a little pissed off, um, at the beginning because they, they told the staff the night before the film was going to start, which was visitors day Mm -hmm. that, uh, there's going to be a film crew at the camp. They're going to be shooting a movie for several weeks. And they hadn't told any of the campers, but they told the staff and told us not to tell the campers. And so the next day, me and my co-counselor dressed up like gangsters with like, <laughs> you know, the, the caps and the just, you know, blinders kind of outfits on. And whenever anybody, for no apparent reason, and whenever a camper would ask us why we were dressed up like that, we would say, movie? What movie? We never said anything about a movie. Um, <laughs> and, and then we had a, and then so they were filming in the main field. Mm-hmm. Of the, the the kids running to their parents, the scenes in the movie, the kids yeah, running yeah. to their parents, and the parents running to the kids. It's a wonderful scene with lovely music over it. And me and my co-counselor were standing at the corner of the field. We are not in the movie. We're standing at the corner of the field, having a fake gunfight. <laughs> for again, for no apparent reason. That's awesome. And apparently, a buddy of mine was near where they were filming, and they had this lovely, you know, shot that just panned across the crowds and landed on us. And so we got an old fuck out of the director. So that's, um, <laughs> I screwed up a shot. So That's awesome. Uh, before we wrap it up, one final thing. So the reason this whole interview happened is because um, you're not on Twitter and I got some angry tweets at me, <laughs> uh, um, which happens from time to time. Mostly I get people, you know, people think I'm you and I've gotten quite a few emails from actors with their resumes, who with like, I'd love to work with you. And I'm like, that's great. Can you come to Toronto and um, pay for your own way? But, and also I'm like, you're never going to, like, I, I, I appreciate the balls of like trying to contact the showrunner, but you're never going to get a gig working that way, particularly a lot of these people are non-union. But, um, you know, there, you know, there was, it was a season finale of The Good Doctor. A couple of people weren't happy with what happened. And I got these angry tweets and it says in my profile, uh, the first thing it says, I'm not the creator of the TV show house. And um, so that's why this is, you know, this conversation happened because I, I sent you a message and stuff. Um, I think I have to commend you on not joining Twitter. Because <laughs> <it's just, laughs> I, 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 
I have to use social media to promote all my shows and stuff. You know, we're small shows and it's one way of getting the word out. But if I didn't have to go on there, life would be so much easier. Like I do like keeping in touch with friends on Facebook and you and I keep in touch that way as well. But Twitter, like, have you ever been on Twitter? Or it's, it's just I, so. I, I have gone on every now and again. I'll post them, but it's very, very rare. I do have an account. Right. Instagram account. I've posted maybe nine photos over five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's such, it's such a, an abyss. It's such a, a dark hole that you can get sucked into and, and anonymity just makes people jerks for the most it's part. It's true. Yeah. It's I very mean, true. The internet's a wonderful thing, but you know, not everything I think- you think should be said. No. no, I think the internet is is both one of the best things that ever happened and one of the worst things that's ever happened. Like yeah. It's just, you know, I'm not sure. Like certainly, this conversation wouldn't be happening. A lot of my work would be more difficult. But oh, by the way, in this time, in this time, thank goodness we've got this. Um, you know, <laughs> we can stay in touch with people. We can stay. Oh, for sure. It's for sure. Food delivered to our house. We can. Yeah. And get news instantly. I mean, if this had happened 20 years ago, it would have been radically worse in terms of the the claustrophobia and the loneliness uh, yeah. but it's uh but yes it um there is something just horrible about it at the same time i get depressed when i when i go on for too long i'm with you there because it's just it's sometimes it's like really really people really yeah. and also just the attacks on each other you know um, yeah, no, it's just can be, over the years I've I've gone on enough to I mean I would spend a lot of time telling Hugh not to go on, just not to right. pay attention and to mm-hmm. some I followed my own advice on that. And it's just so I mean, the people who are in front of the camera get it ten times as much and they get so much love, but people feel free to really hate and yeah. and really hate somebody who's tried hard to give them something that they they can enjoy. And it's, uh, you take it to heart more than you would like to. One last question. One of the things we talked about, or you mentioned when I interviewed for your digest was writing the care, writing the voice of Dr. House, how he would go on these rants. And it was really an opportunity for you to just express yourself about things that were bugging you. Is there anything you miss about that? Or are you still able to do that in the good doctor? Or it was that something that was just, you know, it was that period of time and it served its purpose. I do miss that a little bit. And there are, there are times when something will occur to me and I'll go, oof, I wish I had that same platform. Hmm. Uh, but I had, I had eight years. I mean, it was <laughs> the reason I ended the show to some extent was I felt I'd run out of things to say um, right. uh, in that regard, in that voice. But th- there are things here and there. And yeah, it was a wonderful opportunity. It was, it was so gratifying. Um, and I do, with Dr. Murphy, have a parallel opportunity here. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. It's not quite so much my voice, but it is an aspect of my attitude, um, surprisingly often, that comes through. And uh, so that's pretty amazing. I mean, that to me is the amazing, there are many amazing things about being able to do this for a living and being able to say the things that you're thinking and have the world listen and find out how many people agree with you is pretty wonderful. Well, David Shore, it is, you know, we don't see each other or talk very often, but it's always a pleasure to see you. Always a pleasure to talk to you, you know, wishing you and your family all the best. 
and hope you know everyone in your family is safe and 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 everything and and hopefully you know hopefully i'll get to see you sometime in canada at some point in the future that would so. be lovely that'd be lovely so that you know people believe that there are two of us so. <laughs> that's true this could be fake yeah. <laughs> well i hope you enjoyed this panel show mini episode music for the podcast has been provided by jim clayton there are more mini and regular episodes coming soon so please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the podcast, please do give us a rating and or a review. We'd really appreciate it. You can get more info about the podcast on our website, www.thepanelshow.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to correct an omission that was in the previous mini episode with Hannah Croft. I was telling Hannah about Toronto-based comedian Pat Thornton and his wife Maggie, who are doing something called Larry Looks, where they dress up their baby Larry as a different celebrity every day and then take a photo of him and post it online on social media. At the time, while we were recording, I completely blanked on Maggie's name, so I wanted to apologize for that and give her credit here, Maggie Maloney, and to also thank her and Pat for doing Larry Looks because it literally makes me laugh and brings me joy each day. You can check it out on Pat's Twitter account. Um, that's P-A-T-T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N, Pat Thornton on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll come and listen to us again soon.